You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. Imagine if he had taken things in his own hands. Imagine the disastrous results. We have to wait for God's timing. And that's the tough part. Waiting for God's timing. You're in a crisis right now? God's timing, the crisis will pass. Not in a trial right now? Either coming out of one or you're getting ready to go into one. But God is with you. And God's timing is perfect. Maybe God is teaching in you like he was teaching David. When you're in a crisis in your life, waiting on God to deliver you can be difficult. His methods and timing are sometimes beyond your understanding. Today, Pastor Dave will encourage you to trust and wait on the Lord. He is the one to avenge your trouble. He is the one who will deliver you. His ways are always right. And here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 26. As he continues his message, Saul plays the fool. You are The Lord must have wanted David in that camp that night because he puts his deep sleep on Abner. Abner and the gang are fast asleep. And Saul. Now I wonder what they through David's mind when he saw the king's spear sitting there next to his head. I recognize that. Missed my head by that much several times. Yeah. How many times did Saul throw it at him? We know at least two. How tempting would it have been for David? How tempting would it be for you that your problem is lying there? Whatever problem the Lord has befallen you with, your problem is lying right there in front of you. And all you have to do is take a spear and go, and your problems will be gone. All your problems will be gone. Come on now, don't tell me you won't be tempted. Don't tell me you wouldn't get rid of your problems that way. Your financial stings are all your financial problems are lying before you. And all you got to do is take the spear and go, and all your financial problems are gone. Relationship problems. Oh, it's gone. Everything's gone. Come on. Don't tell me you wouldn't be tempted. Don't tell me you wouldn't be tempted. I believe we all would be tempted. We'd be a fool to say we wouldn't. Not I. Okay, you'd be the first one with the spear in your hand. Ran through David's mind. It had to run through David's mind. How many chances am I going to get to kill this guy, Lord? Once again, one of David's men, Abishai, said, Let me get him, Lord. I'll take care of him. Let me get him. I'll... Put holes in him and he'll drink water and sprout. I'll take care of this guy. Let's kill this guy and get on with our lives. Let's kill this guy and let's get back to living. I miss my wife. I miss my kids. Let's go. If he had a chance, he'd kill you. Sounds logical, doesn't it? Abishai points out that this was not an accident. They were in tent, in Kazal's tent, and it was designed by God. And he's right. It was designed by God. God made him all go to sleep. God had this deep sleep come on. It was designed to see if David would take a righteous vengeance upon Saul. So he thought Abishai would make it easy for David. Come on, David, let me. Nobody will know. You can leave here going, Abishai killed him. I didn't have anything to do with it. You would be innocent. David said, no, no, no. You know, sometimes testing can come from the un 
likeliest forms, including a beloved friend. Sometimes testing can come from a beloved friend. Abishai really wasn't wrong. Saul had hunted them down. Saul had disrupted their lives. Saul had been on their back for days and days and years and years. David wanted to get rid of Saul, but David wasn't about to do. He did not. He wanted to get rid of the horrible circumstances, but David said, no, don't kill the king. Not only that, but David had confidence that the Lord would take care of the king. The Lord would kill him in due time. The Lord would kill him when the time came. It wasn't up to David when Saul died. It was up to God. I love that about David. I love that about David. Once again, we see one of David's men looking at Saul and seeing the enemy. David looks at Saul and sees the anointed of God. I won't touch the anointed of God. I won't touch him. Remember how David mourned when he just cut off the hem of his robe? Remember when he cut off that little piece of his robe in chapter 24? How he left and he mourned for that. He was so upset because he did that to one of God's anointed. He was so upset. This time he doesn't touch him at all. He doesn't touch him at all. But he has respect for the king. He has respect for the office, not the man. His respect for what God had done, not the man himself, is the difference. David knew it wasn't hard for God to kill Saul. The Lord was able to kill Saul at any time he wanted to. Every breath Saul took was a gift from God. And Saul could easily be killed. But God would allow a wicked man to kill Saul at any time. When it came to striking down the kings of the of Israel, God could do it in any way it wasn't. But David wasn't going to be that venue. He wasn't going to be that avenue. Romans 12, 17, and 21, vengeance is mine, says the Lord, I will repay. Vengeance belongs to God. Vengeance belongs to the Lord. It doesn't belong to us. What did Jesus say we're to do with our enemies? Love them. Love your enemies. So David takes the king's spear, and he takes the water jug as proof that he was there. Let's look at 13 and 16. Now David went over to the other side and stood on the top of a hill far off, a great distance between them two, between them. And David called out to the people, to Abner, son of Ner, saying, Do you not answer, Abner? Then Abner said, Who are you calling out to the king? So David said to Abner, Are you not a man? And who is like you in Israel? Why then have you not guarded your lord and king? For one of the people came in to destroy your lord and king. This thing that you have done is not good. As the Lord lives, you deserve to die. Because you have not guarded your master, the Lord's anointed. And now see here the king's spear is, and the jug of water is by his head. David calls Abner out. I love it. Abner, you're not a man. You're supposed to guard your king. What's wrong with you? You're supposed to guard your king. You lay sleeping with your king. I could have killed you both. In fact, because you didn't guard the king, guess what, Abner? You deserve to die. You deserve to die. Notice David never identifies himself to Abner. He never says who he is. He calls himself one of the people. All Abner had to do was to spot the appearance of the spear and the water jug, and he knew that someone had been there. It was gone. Where's the spear? Where's the water jug? David didn't tremble. David didn't tremble. Someone once said, I will not tremble in the presence of man if I have trembled in the presence of God. Let me read that again. I will not tremble in the presence of man if I have trembled in the presence of God. When I find myself afraid of people, it's always an indication that I have not been in the presence of God. When I find myself in 
worrying about what people think, what people do or say, I find out that I haven't spent time with my God. Because God is big. God is strong. When I have boldness, when I have confidence, and I have peace, I've spent time with God. And I don't worry about what others says. There's a great book out there. I own it. It's by Edward Welch, the same guy who did the depression books. The name of the book is When People Are Big, God is Small. It's a great book how we look up to people and how they become big in our eyes. And when they become big, our God becomes small because we start relying on them rather than God. David calls out to Abner, you're a sham. You're a sham. Look at you. You call yourself a man. You're disgraceful. You should die. Let's finish out the chapter 17 through 25. Then Saul knew David's voice and said, is that your voice, my son, David? (laughs) Gag me with a spoon. Give me a break. David said, is my voice, my lord, O king? And he said, why does my lord thus pursue his servant? For what have I done or what evil is in my hand? Now, therefore, please let my lord, the king, hear the words of his servant. If the lord is stirred up against me, let him accept an offering. But if it is the children of men, may they be cursed before the Lord. For they have driven me out of this day from sharing in the inheritance of the Lord, saying, Go serve other gods. So now do not let my blood fall to the earth before the face of the Lord. For the king of Israel has come out to seek a flea as when one hunts a partridge in the mountains. And then Saul said, I have sinned. Return, my son David, for I will harm you no more, because my life was precious in your eyes this day. Indeed, I have played the fool and erred exceedingly. And David answered and said, Here is the king's spear. Let one of your young men come over and get it. May the Lord repay every man for his righteousness and his faithfulness. For the Lord delivered you into my hand today. But I would not stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed. And indeed, as your life was valued much this day in my eyes, so let my life be valued much in the eyes of the Lord. And let him deliver me out of all tribulation. Then Saul said to David, May you be blessed, my son David. You shall both do great things and also still prevail. So David went his way, and Saul returned to his place. This would be the last time Saul and David speak. This would be the last time they actually speak. David once again says, what have I done? Why are you chasing me? What have I done? I've done nothing against you. I am righteous before God and God alone. I've done nothing to you. Notice Saul recognizes his voice, my son David. Notice that David only refers to him as my Lord and King, which is his proper title at that time. He doesn't any call longer call him Father. Why? It's true there's only one Father, but they really didn't look to God as a Father at that time. He's no longer married to his daughter. So he's really not a Father to him anymore. Remember, Saul gave his daughter Michael away. He gave his daughter away. And David married Abigail. So, and plus... Saul never treated David like a son. He never treated David like a son. So David asked him, what have I done? He says, if I've broken a commandment, I'll sacrifice. I'll repent. I'll repent of it. If if Saul was acting on the words of others, he said, then that's their problem, not my problem. Oh, how many of us, people, how many of us listen to what others say about someone else and we make a decision? How many of us don't like other people because this person said something about them? We are so easy to hear what people say about other people and to take it to heart and then not come after them and then like that. I tell people, I don't want to know. 
Let each person make their own reputation mean me when they come through that door. Because God is no respecter of persons. God doesn't respect any person higher than anybody else. We are all equal in the eyes of the Lord. And everyone deserves salvation. God looks out at the multitude and wants to save everyone. Who are we to pass judgment on someone for what they've done in the past? Hey, I got news for you, gang. I have a past. We're not going to have a sin roundup where we all roll out our sins and go, ooh. Who are we to hold that against anyone else? Who are we? Do we think that highly of ourselves that we can hold other things against other people when we hear it? When it becomes hearsay? My goodness. We just act on the words of other people as so we make decisions about other people. We listen to gossip, and then we act without proof. On the words of these men, David was driven out of Israel, basically. On the words of men, he was driven out of Israel. And David could not go to the house of the Lord. He couldn't even worship his God. David couldn't even go to Jerusalem and worship for fear of being attacked and killed. Saul, once again, I've sinned. Yeah, but there's no repentance. There's no repentance. His heart is still not with God. And this is true of so many today. They know they've sinned, but there's no change in their activity. Yes, I've sinned, and they continue in the sin. There's no change. Saul never changed. He never changed his activity. May the Lord repay every man for his righteousness and his faithfulness. This is great. Every man will be paid for his righteousness. My righteousness exists alone in one thing and one thing only, and it's not a thing as a person, Jesus Christ. In him I'm righteous. If I'm not in him, I'm not righteous. In him I'm righteous. And it's only because of him that I'm deemed righteous. I had nothing to do with it. He went to the cross. But because I believed in him, according to scriptures, I'm counted righteousness. Just like Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him as righteousness. The model of our faith. David trusted in God who blesses the righteous and the faithful. David knew that God said, for God is not unjust to forget your work and your labor of love, which you have shown towards his name. David understood the principle spoken of in Matthew 7, tomb. With the same measure you use, it'll be measured back to you. When you judge someone, you'll be judged by that same method. David wanted God's mercy on himself. So he gave extra mercy out. He's loving. He's loving Saul. In the midst of all this, what an example to us. Saul just didn't want to give him a black eye. Saul wasn't talking nasty about him in the shower. Saul wanted to kill him. He wanted to take him out. And David's loving on him, showing the love of Christ. Generous mercy, the blessing. He said, let my eyes be valued in. You're valued to me. Remember what Paul said? We need to esteem others better than ourselves. What Jesus said. That's what Paul said. We need to esteem others. He wanted to take the throne and blessing of God, but he refused to take it in rebellion. David knew that the throne was his, but he was not going to take it in rebellion. And David held on to this principle when he became king. He recognized that his righteousness was rewarded. So in these final verses, David spares king's life once again. Saul said he would no longer hunt David down. David didn't believe him. David shouldn't have believed him, but David's confidence was not in Saul's words. David's confidence was in a Lord who told him that he would never leave nor forsake him. His confidence was in the Lord who told him, I will be there. Here's my Holy Spirit as proof. The same Lord who told us the same thing. 
I will never leave nor forsake you. Here's my Holy Spirit to tell you that I won't leave you. We have the same exact promise. David never thought it was the end of it. He knew, although he valued Saul's life, Saul didn't value his. Saul wanted David dead. Like I said, these are the last words recorded. Saul returned to the palace. This basically sums up Saul's life in verse 21. I have played the fool. I have played the fool, and I've erred greatly. First time David had a chance to kill Saul, he took part of his robe, and his heart was convicted. This time he didn't even touch anything because his heart was right towards God. David knew that all those oaths Saul has rejected by the Lord, and he was still appointed by God. Saul was also anointed by God, and he knew that. David truly loved his enemies. He blessed them that cursed him. He did good to those who hated him. And he prayed for those who despitefully used them. And I just paraphrase Matthew 5, 44. Jesus' own words. We need to do the same thing. Imagine if David had slain Saul. Imagine if he had killed him. Imagine if he had taken things in his own hands. Imagine the disastrous results. We have to wait for God's timing. And that's the tough part. Waiting for God's timing. You're in a crisis right now? God's timing, the crisis will pass. Not in a trial right now? You're either coming out of one or you're getting ready to go into one. But God is with you. And God's timing is perfect. Maybe God is teaching in you like he was teaching David. Maybe God wants to show you things in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the the, the pain that you might be even going through. Maybe even physical pain. Maybe God wants to show you something. I've never been drawn closer to God than when I'm in a trial, when I'm in a tribulation. I've never been drawn closer to God. That's what God wants of us. Jesus is our example of someone who endured punishment unjustly. They riled against him. He didn't rile back. He committed himself to the Father. How difficult is it to wait for God's purpose? So difficult. David's confidence was in God's ability, not his own ability. David knew this, and he practiced restraint. David looked for a spiritual way, not a physical way. David was very spiritual. When you look at Saul's perspective, this is Saul had seen the shining face of God through David. He had seen God's love manifested to him through David. He had seen God's grace manifested to him through David. But yet his heart was hard. His heart was against God. And I've played the fool, he says. A fool says in his heart that there is no God. Saul played the fool. If he would just for a moment, just for one moment, be melted by that love of God, one moment, he would have known. He would have known the truth. It's only by the love of God that's shed upon us through the Holy Spirit that causes us effective repentance. And it causes us to be able to move forward. When you're convicted in your heart by the Holy Spirit, we must confess. We must confess. When you see the shining love of Jesus Christ in someone who's close to you, when you see the shining love in Jesus Christ as we worship the God or as you hear his word, when you see that love, open your heart to that and receive it. Open your heart and receive God's love into your heart and let that convict you. Let that bring you to the altar and say, I've sinned, and then repent of it and walk on. I've sinned, Lord. Jesus loved us, a love that carried him to a cross. Jesus loved us, 
with a love that carried him to the cross. And Jesus on that cross looked down upon that crowd after they, what they have done to him, how they beat him, how they tortured him, how they did horrid things to him, not only nailed him to a cross, how they spat upon him, called him any other names inconceivable, how they looked upon him and what they did to him on that cross that day. He looked down upon them and simply said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Can you say that to your worst enemy today? Can you look upon your worst enemy and say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do? Oh, how we could say that. How we could forgive those who desperately want to hurt us, forgive those who seek to destroy us by their words and their actions. Oh, how we could do that. If we would show the love of David in our own lives, the love that has been bestowed upon us by the Holy Spirit. Love is a fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit in you brings forth love. If we would just be able to show that. And when this true love is shown, people know it. People know the truth. And they're set free by the truth. People know it and they want it. When they see it in you, they realize it. They're convicted of it. There's no profit at all in the heart that has been stirred by God and doesn't do anything about it. Many people sit here on every, every Wednesday. People sit here every Sunday. Whenever whoever's teaching, they sit back there in Bill's class. They come on Monday nights to Mark as they, and they listen to teaching, good teaching, solid line-by-line teaching. And if they don't allow it to hit their heart and change their heart and change their action, what good does it do? All you're doing is chalking off, well, I attend it. Yeah, good. Let me know how it works for you when you see Jesus face to face. Let me know how that works for you. Well, I never missed a day. Great. Depart from me. I never knew you. Ouch. Ouch. David was so close to obtaining the throne of Israel. He had been prepared for such a time as this. God had prepared him. He had a few more lessons that lay in front of him, and he's going to make a mistake or two. But God will ever be with him, and God will prevail David will be the king. And it's coming very shortly. Very, very shortly. Amen? Amen. So, what do we do now? We pray. (laughs) We pray. I invite you to pray. Um, Kevin's here. Mark's here. Bill's here. I'll be here. We'll be up front if you'd like to come up for some prayer. You can pray amongst yourselves with each other. You can pray. You can come up for prayer here. Maybe you need to be anointed with oil. Maybe you have an illness or something. Maybe you want to stand in proxy for somebody. Let's pray for you. It's a time of prayer. It's a time to allow God to do something special. The word has been preached. We've worshiped him. The word is out there. It's time for the Holy Spirit to do wonders in our midst. Time the Holy Spirit to manifest himself in our midst right now. We need to allow that. You are We're so glad you joined Pastor Dave Shank today for A Sure Hope. This study in 1 Samuel has been taking you further into God's process of fulfilling promises. 
and it may not look like you'd always want it to. God gave a promise to David when he was young and unequipped to handle the magnitude of what was to come. God still gave him a glimpse to the future though, and we walked with David to help him grow and learn. God's plan included trials along with victories, but he was faithful to David throughout. Right now in our country, we are facing a trial never before experienced. Don't fear, God is as faithful to you now as he was to David. He will bring you through, and you can lean on Him for strength and comfort in the waiting. We'd encourage you to read ahead in 1 Samuel and discover for yourself how God works life out, and let Him encourage you through it. How can we be praying for you during this 1 Samuel study and during this unusual time in history? Please give us a call and let us know at 609-884-5821. Again, that number is 609-884-5821. We are pleased to be able to bring you teachings from God's Word on each edition of Assure Hope. If you'd like to hear more from this series in the book of 1 Samuel, visit assurehoperadio.com. There are several teachings on various books of the Bible available online for download, and we encourage you to share them with friends and family. That's all we have time for. Thanks for tuning in to Assure Hope.